uh, as I unpack your word, as I share the gospel, as I as I uh, find the treasures that are that are in in uh, your scriptures, Lord, and bring them out for folks who appreciate and enjoy and know you more. And I pray that you be with the folks who are here and help them to um, know you better through hearing the word. And, and I pray that you would um, help them to encounter you and come to know Christ uh, intimately in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I got to start with a disclaimer. I'm, I'm kind of, my stomach's sort of turning on me today. And so if I, uh, if I cut short suddenly, it's, it's uh, uh, for your benefit. Um, there it is. Wow. So we are talking about Sabbath right now, and I last week I wanted to talk about this, and I didn't. I didn't get to it. Um, I so I have I have two little kids. Most of y'all are at least vaguely aware of that. And and one of the things that my kids have decided is is the best thing in the world is um, even though they have coloring books even though they have activity books, even though they have scrap paper coming out of their ears, they, they have this weird need to request printed coloring pages. So if I'm sitting at my desk working, it doesn't matter how many coloring books they have, I will be approached and, and the request, Dad, can you print up Paw Patrol for me to color? Can you print, print up cars for me to color? And, and this has resulted in some odd things, like, like over time some misprints have happened. And, and I didn't realize that last week when I, when I write sermons, I will get all of my notes into a document and then I'll, like I'll read and then I'll print and I'll read again and I highlight and then I take another set of notes and, and all this. And my wife took all of these pieces of paper and put them back in the printer, like the misprints. And the idea was that she would uh, just print on the other side. Well, I'll print 30 pages of notes in one shot, and so I print both sides because, you know. And so last week as I was preparing to, to, to preach, or as I was studying to preach, I had a very nice maze that my, that my document was printed over. Um, there are a few of these, actually, and it made it really difficult. It is surprisingly hard to read theology through... A coloring picture. Um, I did it, <laughs> but uh, I, I, when I went back and reviewed, there were a couple of these that I said, you know what, whatever it said couldn't have been that important, and I skipped right over it because it was it was just too. I mean, can you imagine trying to read through that? It, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, and and actually, some of the better points. That I, that I drew out of my study for last week were in this, and I wondered if it was just because I had to read and reread and reread that I finally said, well, you know what, that's really worth remembering. Um, but, like, as we talk about Sabbath, um, there, there's kind of a truth here. Watch this. Um, God gives us amazing gifts, Right? And in particular, like, he gives us the ability to know him through Jesus. And that is fantastic, right? I mean, to be able to know the creator of the world, to be able to know, um, um, you know, God. Um, we, we stand in a position that, that's envious of, like, 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 compared to everybody before us. I mean, we are in an amazing spot, but there is so much noise you get what I'm saying? 
There's so much noise that sometimes trying to encounter God is a little like trying to read through the maze, right? Because I need to get up and I need to spend time reading and studying and praying. But, man, I also got to get a load of dishes done before I take the kids to school, right? Or, oh, I, I need to get this done, but I also need to vacuum, but I also need to get the, these eight visits in this week, if you're me. But I'm sure there are other folks here, right? I need to repair this. Anybody else live in that world, farmers? I need to, <laughs> I need to go out. I mean, in fact, actually, because farming never actually stops. I give you all grief about only working three months a year. Um, but, but in reality, y'all's job is ongoing. Um, we live in a world where busy is, is the standard, Right? And there's always something else to get done. And, and after we're done getting everything done, there's new hobbies to take on and entertainment. I, I really hate um, – I, I like streaming television, but I sort of don't like it because my wife and I follow a couple of TV shows. And if we miss a week, then all of a sudden we have all this extra TV to watch, right, as though our life would fall apart if we missed an episode of, of whatever um, – um, but but it's it's constant noise and constant busyness. This year I read my daughter uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Has anybody else read that? It's written by Lewis Carroll. Um, and at the time I I uh, I read it, I took note of this and I thought, man, this is fantastic. And I'm going to use that in a sermon eventually. And then I forgot about it. And I came across it um, somewhere else, and I figured I'd share it. Um, there's a point in the story where um, Alice is talking to the Red Queen. They're on this giant chessboard, and she's talking to the Red Queen, and the Red Queen is constantly moving and constantly running, and, like, it's impossible to keep pace, and Alice complains about having to move. And the Red Queen responds, Now here you see it takes all the running you can to keep in the same place. If you want to get anywhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. Anybody ever feel that way? Just cannot seem to run fast enough to not fall behind. Um, as we talk about Sabbath, this is an important concept, okay? Um, God did not design us to live this way. God did not design us to try and piecemeal a relationship with him through all the other noise and mess in life, right? I... I I love my wife. This week for the, the class we're doing, we were supposed to do couch time where we sat down and talked for 15 minutes. And it is astonishing how hard it is to have a 15-minute conversation at the tail end of the day when there's baths and meals and Christmas trees to put up yesterday and, you know, all of this other stuff that comes along. And you're thinking, I need to get all this done, but I'm supposed to have a 15-minute conversation with my wife, right? And I can see my wife, right? When she gets mad at me, I have problems. You know, immediate, in-my-face problems. Um, how hard is it to piece out this time with God, right? In all of the rush and all of the noise. Um, and so this is kind of what we're going to focus on today is, is how our relationship with God fits into this and what the Sabbath says about that. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Um, a quick disclaimer, the book of Hebrews is a difficult book, right? It is a very difficult book. It is a book that is best preached as a single unit. Like, ideally, I would start in Hebrews 1 and do the whole book because it is a, like, very involved, very drawn-out, 
collection of arguments. It was written by somebody who was obviously a rabbi at some point or very well-educated and nearly a rabbi because the guy uses all of these rabbi tricks, like the ways that they approach things, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, But we're going to chunk out a little bit in the middle, and I'm going to do my best to do it justice. So, real quick, the Sabbath is... Oh, did you bring me drugs? <laughs> you brought me medicine? <laughs> I, uh, so if the sermon goes long, it's just his fault. Uh, thank you, dear. I love you. Um, so real quick, the Sabbath is traditionally on Saturday. It's... it's um, the last day of the week, and it's the day of rest. It was instituted by God at the creation. Uh, the Jews, the ancient Jews, had very strict Sabbath laws, and there's a lot of confusion regarding the Sabbath today. Um, Hebrews gives us a glimpse as to what really is going on with the Sabbath, right? And so as we dive into this, the other thing is, everything in the Old Testament, watch this, everything in the Old Testament points at Jesus, Right? So you read the story of David and Goliath. The story of David and Goliath is about Jesus, right? There are preachers who will come along and say, you can be David and face your Goliath. Not at all, right? The Old Testament is not about us. The Bible is about Jesus. Um, And so, like, as we get into this, um, that's an important concept. There's one last thing that's not in my background notes, but I really want to mention it. Um, All of us are raised thinking a certain way, right? There was a fellow named Aristotle. You all have heard of him? Aristotle created this thing called logic, right? And logic is, is, is a way of approaching the world and thinking. Now, it is not the only way that was ever developed. Ancient Jewish folks had a different way of looking at the world, and they had a different way of reasoning through things. And actually, if you go to ancient China, they had a very different way of reasoning through things. And if you go to you know, Africa today, like the, you can talk to folks who see the world and think through problems in just a different structural way right? Hebrews has a bunch of this like structural argument that's very rabbi oriented. It's very rabbinical. That's the word. Um, And it's very unusual for us. And we might look at it and say, that's not really a good way of thinking about things. But it's not. It's that God spoke to the rabbis in the way that he spoke to the rabbis. Got it? And he speaks to us and how he speaks to us. Um, but, and, and there are two of these here and we're going to, I'm going to pick them out and show them to you when we get there. We're going to start off in one and two, therefore, which by the way, whenever there's therefore, it means that something came beforehand. In this case, therefore is, um, the writer, maybe Paul, maybe somebody else. Hebrews is one of those big question mark books. Um, I, I'm going to go with Paul today. Um, I think it was probably Paul. Uh, but so Paul talks about Moses and how Moses with the people did not ever make it to the promised land. You all know this story? They're on their way to the promised land and they get lost and, and it ends up looking like me trying to find a house in the country in Montana, driving around for about 40 years before I finally get where I'm going. Um, that, that's an inside joke right there. Uh, the... Uh, they're, they're lost. They, they end up wandering the wilderness for 40 years because they refuse to obey God and they refuse to trust God. And chapter 3 is all about this, this decision that they made to not trust God and to be faithless 
in their response to God's directions, right? God said, go and capture the promised land. And they said, nope, we can't do that. And he said, well, fine, none of you will enter my rest. None of you will ever enter the promised land. Um, and so this is the book of uh, um, Exodus when this happens. And Paul talks about this Exodus thing, and you will never enter my rest. And from there in chapter 4, he starts in on a new argument. Um, chapter 3 is more about how Jesus is greater than Moses, which for an ancient Jew was a huge statement, um, like it's hard to compare it to anything else in our in our culture because um, Moses was like a rock star um, for the ancient Jews. And so Jesus is greater than Moses. Um, therefore, verse 1, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, justice to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Now watch this. There's this whole thing about the day or entering the rest still being an offer for us. And that is the case. And we'll get into it a little more in a second. Um, but he says, listen, this promise is there. You have this promise of rest from God. And you can take advantage of this promise or... You can let it go by. Anybody go shopping this week? Really? Like four of us? So <laughs> um, why did we go shopping on Black Friday? Because it's, it's cheap and you don't want to miss out on it, right? If you don't go on Good Friday, then you may never be able to buy any of that other junk like any of that junk any other day. No electric fireplace for you because it was only on sale that one day and they don't exist anymore. Um, we had to do it then. Like, like this pressure is what Moses or what what Paul is putting on. He's saying, "Listen, this rest is there for you to have. Don't waste your opportunity. Don't do what these guys did. These guys heard the promise, they heard the word of God, and they ignored it, or they took it on faithlessly. Meaning, they, you know, I'll go through the motions, but I ain't really buying into this. You know what I'm talking about? Where where folks will." Um, in this case, they, they were obedient, but they didn't really care. They didn't love God. They didn't trust God. They didn't really want to know him all that well. They, they just followed the basics, but they did it very badly and it eventually cost them. Um, and he's saying, listen, you guys, you readers, and this means us don't miss the chance. There's a rest available for us that is beyond what we can understand. Um, and, and if you miss it now, it's not gone forever, right? But you're robbing yourself by missing it now. You get what I'm saying? So transitioning on. So Hebrews 1 and 2, or 4, 1 and 2, um, is this. Oh, one last thing. Uh, the promise of entering his rest still stands. Well, we'll get to this. All right. Um, for we who have believed enter the rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, what Paul is doing here, he's doing a rabbi trick, right? He's taking two verses. The first one is that Genesis uh, chapter 2, right? And on the seventh day he rested, right? And what Paul says is, listen, that rested thing, God's rest, that's what he's talking about. The world is created. God stops and enjoys the creation. He rests. And that resting thing is what God is talking about. 
But if you jump over to Psalm 95, Psalm 95 is all about God denouncing the people of Israel who had been dead at this point for many, many years, like hundreds of years. These guys are gone, uh, five, six, seven hundred-ish years. Um, the guys he's talking about are dead and gone. And this psalm is saying, hey, I swore in my wrath they would never enter my rest. Um, and so what he's saying, he's saying, listen, this psalm, this rest, enter my day of rest, this, this day of rest, this thing. Um, for we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, I have sworn my wrath, they shall not enter, the, enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So what he's saying is, listen, that rest, that rest that happened on the seventh day keeps going, right? It never ends. That rest that God had at the seventh day, he still has that rest available. It is an everlasting rest. It is a forever rest that is always available, Right, which um, that's a second rabbi trick. The first one is combining two verses with similar wording. Right, in this case, it's rest and rest. Right, rest from Genesis two, rest from Psalm ninety-five. I'm not losing folks, am I? Um, and so these two verses, he puts them together. He says, "Hey, these ancient Israelites wandering in the desert couldn't enter God's rest from the seventh day, which happened well before they were in the wilderness." Um, and then he says, "Listen." David wrote this psalm, and David lived hundreds of years later, and David is talking about the rest, so that rest for that day still applied to David, right? Um, so this rest, this is very confusing. Hebrews is a hard book, right? Um, this rest, he's saying, listen, this applies all over the place. This doesn't end. We still have the option of this rest. For he has said some, or excuse me, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God entered on, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Remember, I said this a second ago, right? And again in this passage, he said, "They shall not enter my rest." So he's combining the verses. Uh, I will even give you the proper term. This is called a verbal analogy. For those of you who want to be Hebrew scholars one day, um, this is a verbal analogy, meaning. The rest here and the rest there are the same thing. They're interconnected. There's no disjoining. They, are, they belong together. So that rest that God offered the Israelites as they were going to the promised land was they would be able to enter the rest from the seventh day. This rest that God took at the end of creation, this completion rest. Um, since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day, today. Saying that, day, saying that though David, so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's also from Psalm 95 again. So what he's saying here, watch this. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, meaning some folks can still enter this rest. Because it's today. When is today? Today. This is another Jewish rabbi trick because like, and you think, well, wait a minute, the today in Psalm 95 probably refers to today when David wrote it, or since he was quoting God way back when in the, in the Sinai desert, it was today then. But the way rabbis would read sometimes, they would take a word and they would just say, it says today, so it means today, right? And this is a way that rabbis thought about the world. It's called, I even have a word for this one, um, 
It is called Emphasis on Plain Meaning, like it's the technical thing. And it's almost a wooden way of reading where you say, well, today means today. So he says, listen, God set this day today that we can enter into the rest. And David had that option because it was today, right? And so even though it was way afterwards, God's use of the word today meant David could do it. And it means that we can do it because today is today. This is a little confusing, but if you think about it, what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, God made this promise of today to the the Israelites. They didn't take advantage of it. He made the promise of today to David, and he did take advantage of it. He makes that promise of today to us, meaning our day of rest, and so we can take advantage of it or we can miss it, which is where he started. Don't miss it. It's today. Don't harden your hearts. Don't be dumb. Don't, like, chase after your own interests. Don't let all of this noise get in the way. Be in God's rest. Take it seriously. Enter it. Because the day to do it is today. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So Joshua was the guy who um, finally brought the Israelites into the promised land. And he never really actually said, all right, guys, let's pitch camp and rest. Right? They didn't arrive in the promised land and take a break. They arrived in the promised land and spent about 30 years conquering it. (laughs) And so, like, there wasn't a rest that happened. So Joshua never gave them a rest when they went. And so what Hebrews is telling us, what Paul is telling us is, look, the rest was not just a day of resting. It was something more. Um, God would not have spoken of another day later on in Psalm 95. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, meaning anybody who is God's people has the option of this Sabbath rest. Um, Interesting little fun fact the word Sabbath does not appear in Greek. There is no Greek word for Sabbath. Paul coined it for this purpose. This is the first time the word Sabbath appears in Greek. Kind of an interesting thing. Um, Sabbateos, I believe, is the word um, he invents for this purpose. And so he says, listen, you have this Sabbath rest, this commanded rest. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Um, it's for God's people. You are, like, you enter this rest, and if you enter this rest, you rest from your work as God did. Now, here's the trick. I don't create worlds very often. Anybody? No? I've helped create children. There's no rest involved in that, and there's no rest that happens after. Um, I Like, he's talking about something, but it's not entirely clear. When we think of rest... I just put my hammock picture up front. When I think of rest, I think of sitting in the hammock, right? I think of reading my book. I think of drinking coffee and, and maybe listening to music while I do it, right? That is, that is a, a worldly view of rest. And that's a part of it, but it isn't all of it, right? Part of what he's talking about in rest here is he's talking about spending time and enjoying God. He's talking about backing up and putting all of the other pressing stuff away so that we can focus on God. And it's a promise we have from the beginning. 
It's a promise that was never taken advantage of by the Israelites because they never enjoyed God. They were so busy following rules and, and fighting with each other and trying to you know, fight with God and everything else that they never entered this rest. They were faithless. David entered the rest because David knew God. Because David could back up and he could enjoy God. He could write songs about God. He could spend whole days like dancing and worshiping God, which is, is you know, kind of impressive about who David was. Um, we have this. We can rest and enjoy God. I, I've managed couch time like twice, right? You guys remember couch time? 15 minutes a day with my wife. I've managed, it's like twice this week, right, hon? I, <laughs> in the ballpark of twice this week, maybe less, <laughs> potentially. Okay. It was a good 15 minutes, right? It was good. I remember sitting there, and Abby came in and asked for something. You know, nope, we're talking right now. You need to go do something else. We're talking. And then it was, oh, you know what? I need to, nope, nope, we're talking. We're going to spend our time focusing on each other. We're going to spend our time conversing. We're going to spend our time looking at each other instead of staring at the TV, right? We're going to do this together. This is our time. And, and this is my analogy, right? Like, Sabbath is where we set aside everything, take it all, and toss it to the side in favor of more important things, right? It seems like getting that sink full of dirty dishes is important, doesn't it? It seems like getting dinner on the table on time is important. It does. But guess what? There's going to be a dinner tomorrow. And you know what? There'll probably be a dinner the next day. And really, unfortunately, there's going to be a dinner the day after that. The diaper you need to change? Going to be another one after that. And another 600 of them, by the way. The pressing, I need to do this now. The broken tooth on the, on the swather. How often do teeth break? <laughs> if I'm driving it, almost never. But <laughs> Stuff breaks down. Stuff gets broken. Stuff falls apart. Stuff needs to be cleaned up. Stuff needs to be done. Things need to be planted. Things need to be picked. Things need to be built. Things need to be repaired. Over and over and over again. And if we live that way, it's a death march, isn't it? We fail to enjoy the greatest things that God has given us. Um, I talk about spending time talking to my wife, but like, like Sabbath is taking time to enjoy God. It's taking time to sit down and read his word. It's taking time. I, uh, I went for yesterday. I had a lot of work I needed to get done. And a lot of things that I needed to get nailed down. But in the middle of the day, I thought, you know, I haven't done anything to rest today. So I took the dog and we ran five miles. That's not resting. Except that on my run, I, I sang. I talked to the dog. I enjoyed the, the mountains. By the way, the mountains right now are very pretty. Pretty most days. But how often do you all stop and just stare at them and think, man, God put those there. Isn't it something? I mean, God gives us so much to enjoy about himself. So much to just stop and soak in. In the morning, I had a lot of things to get done yesterday. It was my rest day. And I, I'm running around trying to get everything done. And I stopped 
Abby was laying on the couch watching TV, and I, I curled up with her, and I, she watched TV, and I didn't really want to watch Elena of Avalar or whatever it is, and I said it right this time. Um, but I did want to lay down and cuddle with my daughter for a little while. And I laid there with my daughter and cuddled, and I said, God, thank you so much for this little girl. Thank you so much for this chance I have to sit with her. Thank you so much for the blessings that you put in my life. That is Sabbath, right? Sabbath is resting and enjoying God. Um, And it's possible, right? It is possible because the rest that we get isn't just from work. It's also from earning. Um, I remember spending years and years before I met Jesus thinking, I am never going to be good enough to make God happy. I'm never going to get this down. I'm never going to manage to get my swearing down to an acceptable level, you know, where God won't be angry at me all the time. I will never manage to be nice enough to my neighbor. I will never manage to, you know, not have a temper. I will never manage. And it was such hard work trying to please a God I didn't know, right? Because that's work. But what God gives us in Christ, and Christ offers, he says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's saying there is, listen, come to me and I will make your life easy. You will not earn your way to heaven because I will earn your way for you. And he does. Like Jesus earns our way to heaven by dying for us. Like Christ bears your sins because you cannot pay for your sins yourself. You cannot be good enough to make God happy. You cannot like meet that standard. It is so much higher than you could possibly get to. So Jesus does it in our place and then takes punishment for our sins and we get his permanent record. And so when God looks at you, he sees Jesus' righteousness. And what do you have to do to earn that? Nothing. You have to have faith in him. You have to trust him and follow him, right? And there's rest in that because you know what? You don't have to try harder. Does that mean you don't have to try? Well, you've got to walk with God and you have a relationship with him and everything else. Like that's part of it, but you don't have to earn it. I remember the first church job I had, I, my boss threatened to fire me like once a week. And, and people watched me and criticized what I did. I, I went away on a three-week trip. I came back on a Sunday, and I, it was the first time I'd seen my wife in almost a month. And we were newlyweds then, and we still liked each other. Um, <laughs> and I remember we went to the grocery store, and there was music playing on the speakers, and, and I grabbed her, and I danced with her in the parking lot. And somebody complained to my boss about it. And I learned that in order to be a good church worker, you have to be good in public. Right? I had somebody else complained that I put my arm around her in church one Sunday. You should not be making out with your wife. I put my arm around her. <laughs> but you know what? Like, like I learned that you have to look good and you've got to be good and you've got to be. <laughs> All right, everybody take a quick second to put an arm around. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, like there's this idea. There's this idea that I have to look the part and I've got to act the part and I've got to play the part and I've got to pretend well enough that everybody buys it and maybe God will buy it too. And that is nonsense. God offers us rest because you just don't have to look the part. You can be a mess here. Anybody feel that way most days? I'm going to raise my hand, right? I feel like a mess a lot of times. And you know what? That's all right because God takes me exactly the way I am and he loves me way too much to leave me this way. But I don't have to play a part. 
That's the rest God offers. God offers the rest of you don't have to earn it. And beyond that, anybody ever like have to work with somebody who disliked you? Like who really disliked you? I had a coworker who despised me. And, and I remember going to work every day and dreading having to work with them because there's a tension there, right? And you're trying to not make decisions that will rock the boat too hard so that you have to deal with that and your work. Um, we live our lives before Jesus in conflict with God, right? Romans says that when we were still Christ's enemies, he died for us. Like when we are hostile to him. When we, were, when we were in sin, when we were lost, when we were broken, um, we were his enemies. And now in Christ we have rest because I remember the day I had it out with that coworker, And we decided at the end of the conversation that we were going to stop being in conflict and we were going to get along. And every day after that was a whole heck of a lot better. Right? Because I got to rest when I was around them. I didn't have to have my guard up. I didn't have to walk on tiptoes. I was very glad we had the shouting match in the end. Um, but there was rest in it. And in Christ, we have a rest. Christ, like when we talk about Sabbath, Christ is our Sabbath rest, right? Christ is the gateway we have a relationship with God. I can spend time with God. I can know him. And actually, as Jesus phrases it, because of him, you can approach God and call him Abba, Father, which means Daddy, right? I don't call anybody, like my, my daughter crawls in my lap and calls me daddy, right? That is not a formal address. That's a comfortable address. And I can have rest with God and I can have a relationship with him because Jesus is my Sabbath rest. Um, I can rest knowing that I'm not an enemy of God because Jesus created that opportunity. I have Sabbath rest there. And honestly, like we, we talk about the Sabbath, not it's one of the commandments, but it's a commandment that is a gift to us where we can back up and say, I'm going to take a day and I'm going to not worry about it. Right? I'm going to take a day. I'm going to trust that God is in control of the world. I read once uh, somebody was interviewing the Pope and they asked the Pope, look, you're basically the spiritual leader of like a billion Christians. How do you sleep at night? <laughs> There's like 80 of y'all here. And I, I can't sleep sometimes praying for you guys and worrying about you, right? And how the Pope answered, this is John Paul, I think. He said, every night I lay in bed and I say, God, you created the world. You created the universe. You know the hairs on the head of every one of the people who is in the church. You take care of them. I'm going to go to sleep now. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? Sabbath rest is stopping and saying, I'm going to take some time to be with God and he can worry about the dishes. Right? I'm going to take some time to rest with God. And you know what? I'm pretty sure he can take care of the field today. He can make it rain or not rain. That's up to him. I'm going to enjoy it. When we talk about Sabbath, this is a promise we're given. It's also something we can miss out on. How many of y'all regularly take a time to rest and just do nothing? How many of y'all, when you try to deal with God, your life looks a little more like my, my maze and, and tax, right? A mess. Sabbath is a promise we have from God that we can back up and just enjoy him. We don't have to beat ourselves up about yesterday. We don't have to worry about maybe we'll screw up tomorrow. We don't have to do any of that stuff. We have this offer of rest. 
Let us thrive, therefore, to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So the people in the desert, God's people in the desert, they fell because they refused to enter his rest. And that's the crazy thing. When they got to the promised land, God didn't give them a list of things to do. He said, go, right? All you have to do is go over there and take it. And they didn't do it. Just wouldn't do it. And that's the crazy thing about the Sabbath rest that we get in Christ is all we have to do is take it. But it's got to be on Sunday, right? Or maybe Saturday or no. Take time to rest with Jesus. That's it. That is Sabbath. Taking time to be with Christ, to enjoy him, to enjoy the creation, to rest. That is Sabbath. We'll talk about how Saturday became Sunday in a future sermon, probably in January. I'm sorry. I know there are people who are asking about that. But in the immediate sense, like what Hebrews gives us is rest is rest is just being with Jesus. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And all we have to do is do it. Because, and this is an amazing thing, the whole reason Jesus died for us, the whole reason that God arranged the entire cosmos to redeem us from our selfish wicked, dirty acts, like the whole reason God did all that is so that we can be his people and know him and have a relationship with him. Isn't that amazing? God lined up the entire creation so that you could hang out with him. Man, I feel like it's hard just to set a day to go out on a date with my wife, (laughs) finding a babysitter and everything else. Like God, to overcome our sin, like went through everything. Because we're called to do this. Don't refuse to enter it. Don't put it aside because you just don't have time. Take time to rest with God. Is it a sin if I don't? No, not exactly. But you're missing out on the best part. It's like my kids. I talked about this last week, right? What Halloween candy do they eat? The worst Halloween candy. (laughs) And they pass over the best stuff, right? Missing Sabbath rest is passing over the best stuff. Like, this is the reason we're believers. It's because we can know God and we can enjoy him. Last verses here, and this is, it seems like a non sequitur. It seems like an odd, but he says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed from the, to the eyes of him whom must, we must give account. Now watch this. Some of y'all are sitting here, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, and your toes hurt right now. Right? Hopefully, at least one of you. <laughs> um, the Word of God does this. Right? The word of God is sharp. It cuts right through you. And it's got this way of cutting right through you. And it's got this way of knocking down our silly, like, pretenses about being so important that if I miss a day of work, the world will end, right? And it's got this way of, of tearing down our self-importance or our self-righteousness of all of this stuff. That is what the word of God does. And the word of God ultimately, like, it comes to us and it calls us out. Hey, are you going to... Enter the rest that Christ provides. Are you going to take on his yoke? Are you going to carry his burden? But his burden is follow him, right? Be his people. Love him. Know him. Be forgiven by him. That is so hard because I have so much more important things to do. But the word of God cuts right through that. You can't, can't play along with it. You can't play with it. It doesn't work. Um, and it puts us all out there. 
I spent years pretending that I was better than I was, right? Thinking, oh, I am going to look good enough to get into heaven on my own. And it made me dead inside. Honestly, this busyness that we live in is spiritual bankruptcy. It's looking important and keeping ourselves so busy we don't have to think about anything. And we don't have to reflect on anything. Like, it's a product of emptiness. Um, The Word of God draws us out of that. The Word of God calls us out of it. My challenge for you today is to, to look at your heart and look at your life and ask yourself, like, do I rest? Do I stop? Do I still hold myself accountable for things I did before Jesus came into my life? Anybody do that? Oh, man, I got a list, right? But every time that happens, I can back up and say, you know what? I got rest in Christ. He forgave me. That's it. Every time I remind myself, oh, man, that stupid thing I did. And believe me, (laughs) there's plenty of those. But Christ still died for me, and I can rest in that. I don't have to make it right. I don't have to earn it back. I don't have to put in. I don't have to try harder. The whole nine yards, I'm acceptable. I'm loved, and I belong to God um, because of that. Do you rest in it, or do you remind? Um, I read a parable about a fellow who was uh, carrying like a big heavy weight to market, like a bag of potatoes or something like that. And another guy came along in a cart and said, well, hey, you want to get in the cart? You know, you can just catch a ride with me. You don't have to, like, wear yourself out. And so he gets in the cart, and he's riding, and the guy who's driving the cart, after about a mile, he looks back, and the guy's still holding the potatoes, but he's riding. (laughs) Do you come to God like that? I still have my responsibilities. I still have my work to do. I still got to earn my way to heaven, but I'll ride along with you. Are you resting in it? Are you enjoying it? And if you're not, what are you doing to get there? Because you've got to do it, like, intentionally. You've got to go into the rest. You've got to go enter the promised land. You've got to enjoy it. Um, if this is cutting you, if this is catching you unawares, and you're like, wow, I really got to do this, like, don't ignore it. You're going to lose something so much better. Makes life so much more bearable. Makes knowing God, like, like amazing. Don't sacrifice rest. We're going to close in prayer, and I will let you all be. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. Pray that you would help us to rest. Help us to, like, most of all, to rest in Christ. Help us to, to know Christ as our Sabbath, as our, our gift from you, our opportunity to know you, our opportunity to walk with you. Don't let the clutter in our lives, the mess in our lives, our our feelings that sometimes get confused, our anger and vendetta, everything else, Lord. Don't let it block out our vision of you. Help us to rest in you, walk with you, and know you. Um, Help us to abandon the thought of earning our way to salvation. Help us to abandon the thought that we're so important we can't ever take a day off. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good morning, folks.